As I was saying before, uh, I'm normally not the one up here doing this. Uh, Jake Rainwater, our pastor here at Cross Point, is uh, normally the guy you see up here preaching to you this morning, but he and his family are on vacation. So uh, thankfully, I got the honor to uh, bring God's Word to us this morning. Uh, my name is Sean Bean. For those of you guys who do not know me, I am uh, one of the leaders here at Cross Point Community Church. And just to give you a little background about me, um, I've been in the ministry since, uh, since I was about 19 years old. God called me to serve Him uh, and to serve Him in whatever capacity. I, at first, I thought it was, you know, in a, in a music, a worship-type capacity. But the more that I've, uh, that I've learned, the more that I've grown in my faith, God has opened my eyes to show me that, you know, when He calls you, He calls you to serve. And that is in anything, in preaching, in teaching, in worship, in whatever. God calls you, He calls you. So, um... That's why I'm up here today, <laughs> to preach to you guys. Um, now, granted, I've only ever done this one other time before, so if I seem a little nervous or I seem a little uh, out of character, it is because this is a somewhat new thing to me. But uh, my prayer this morning is that God would use me in such a way to speak to every heart in this room and that you would not see me up here, but that you would see Jesus and that you would hear His Holy Spirit speaking to you this morning. Uh, so before I continue on, I'm going to say a prayer, and then I'm going to get right into it. Oh, dear Jesus, I'm so thankful, Lord, for this opportunity you've given me just to come. Lord, the honor and the privilege it is to rightly divide your scripture before a congregation of believers. Lord, it is a true honor and privilege that I do not take lightly. And Lord, I pray that in this moment you would remove anything that is of me, God, my nerves, my anxiousness, Father, that I, I pray that you would just fill me up with your Holy Spirit, God, that the, your Holy Spirit would speak through me this morning and that your Holy Spirit would just touch each and every individual in this room, God. Lord, continue to be with us in this time. Lord, I love you. Lord, I thank you. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, for the past couple weeks, we've been in a... Um, a particular sermon series called This Is Us. And basically what we've been doing is we've been going through different aspects of the church, why we feel these aspects are important to the church and why we do them. For instance, we've covered uh, baptism, salvation, communion. And then this week, I get the privilege to talk to you about worship. Why do we worship? Why is it important? Why does worship matter? And the scripture I'm going to be bringing this morning is out of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. So if you want to go ahead and flip to there, that's where we'll be spending most of our time this morning. So most of the time when people, when people see worship, when they think of the word worship, what is the first thing you think comes to mind? It would be music. I know for me... For a long time, when I thought of worship, that was the first thing that came to my mind was music. But as I said before, as I've grown in my faith, as I've grown in this position God has called me to, I've learned that worship is everything. Worship is your life. Worship is how you live. Worship is your conversations you have with everybody, other people. Worship is your actions towards others. Worship is your life. It's not just a song. Worship is more than a song. Webster defines worship 
as the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. The act of bowing down before that one thing that you love and adore above all else. So see, in that, worship is, is, is humbling. It's humility. It's giving of our whole selves to something that is not us. That is the way I believe God created us for, is so that we worship in that way. We were created to worship Him. When people hear the word worship, they think of the songs we sing, what the band does on Sunday mornings. But like I said, it's way more than that. It's the way you live. It's everything you do. We don't just worship God for an hour on Sundays and call it, and call it good. God deserves way more of our time than just an hour a week. We worship God 24-7. If we as believers can understand that worship is involved in our lives to this degree, to this level, then how much would it change our lives? Just merely understanding that everything I do is in reflection of Jesus in my life, for me to not act that way, to not show that in my life, to not be an example of that. Say, for instance, I go to work and I act like everybody else there. It's easy to do that. It's easy to be like the guys on my crew, cussing up a storm, talking bad about this other guy, looking down on this person over here. It's easy to do that because everybody does it. But what truly sets us apart and should separate us from everybody else is the fact that we have Jesus in our hearts and in our lives. And because of that, it's easy to stand out. It doesn't take much to stand out in the crowd. Think of the world we live in and what society tells us and what society pushes on us. This idea that it's all about you. You deserve this. You, if you want a new car, go get it. You deserve it. If you want this new house, go take a loan out and get it. You deserve it. You deserve this. It's all about you. Don't worry about this guy over here. You take care of you. Look out for number one. But it's with God, it's different. <laughs> it's not that at all. God says, it's about me. I put you here. I put breath in your lungs. I created you. It's about me. Worship me. I've done so much for you. So the least we could do is give it back to him. A.W. Tozer put it like this. Worshipers never leave church. We carry our sanctuary with us wherever we go. Keeping that in mind, how differently would your life be if you were to keep that in mind? How different would your interactions be on a daily basis with just a stranger? And even with somebody you know, your family, how different would your life be? I'd be willing to bet your life would be 100% changed for the better. And as I've told you before, uh, I was called to the ministry at an early age, age of 19. And through that, I've, uh, I've been through a few, uh, a lot of different experiences. Uh, my first ever ministerial experience was at a church here in De Quincey, at Eastern Heights Baptist Church. I believe it's called Journey Church now. <laughs> but uh, I was the worship pastor there for about a year and a half. And uh, the Lord brought me through a lot and growing me into this mindset that I have now of what true worship is. It's not just a song, it's your life. And through my other experiences, I've also been a worship pastor at First Baptist Church in Jennings. I served there for a year. Um, 
And through those experiences, I've seen so many different people define worship in so many different ways. I've seen people come in the door on Sunday morning, put on a face, act like they got it all together. They're raising their hands. They're worshiping God. They're, they're, you know, they're putting on a show. But as soon as they walk out the door, it's like it's a whole other person. Ha ha, fooled you. I got it all together. Me and God, we're like this. That's not the case. And my heart hurts for those people because they're missing it. There's so much more to it than that, and they're missing it. And it's our job to show them that. It's our job to show them, to teach them, to guide them. So where are we falling short, church? It starts here. It starts here with us, with our people. We have to get our people right so that way from here we can go out into this community, into De Quincey, and do the same for them. This is cool because I get so far ahead of my notes that I'm having to find where I'm at. <laughs> Ooh-wee. Okay, so. Because of the, the idea of worship, you know, we talked about music, but there's other things in life that we worship. You know, we worship our jobs. We worship money, for instance, um, your finances. Uh, I know a lot of people in here can testify we worship sports teams, amen? <laughs> uh, anybody who knows me knows that I'm a, I'm a true diehard Dallas Cowboys fan. It's like my brother. And a lot of you guys in here are Saints fans, and that's okay. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I, I love Drew Brees. He's a great guy, great quarterback. He's a great role model. But... Um, you know, that got me thinking as I'm preparing this message, you know, what am I known for? What, what does people know me for? What do I worship? Do people know me as a diehard Dallas fan? Or do they know me as the Christian man who leads his home in the ways of the Lord and his righteousness? Am I a follower of Jesus? You know, do people see that in me when I see them on a daily basis? I want that to be what people see in me. And through this study and through what I've been uh, you know, studying in God's Word and what He's been showing to me through this, it's, there's a lot of things that I know I need to do better and do different. Amen. Because I should be different. I shouldn't be like the rest of the world. I shouldn't be like the people that I work with every day. I shouldn't be like those people. I should be different. I should be set apart. And we're going to get more into that as we go in the message this morning. We place so much emphasis on all these worldly things that we lose sight of the original intentions of those feelings we have, that worship that God has given us that has been planted in us from birth. We're made to worship, but it's misled, it's misguided. The world has taken that desire and twisted it and molded it into something that it's not supposed to be. Those feelings that you have about your favorite sports teams or your favorite anything, those feelings were given to you by God. And it's okay to have fun and go to a sporting event. It's okay to like the Cowboys or the Saints or the Astros or whoever your favorite sport. It's okay to like them. It's okay to enjoy that. But I believe God gave us those things to enjoy. But when they become more than God, when they become above God, when you put them above God, that's when it gets wrong. That's when we get it wrong.
As his children, we ought to be about God, and our worship should reflect him. Which leads me to my first point, finally getting to the scripture. How about that for an intro? (laughs) Worship is selfless. Worship is selfless. And we're going to be in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to read that for us this morning. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So as I said before, my first point, worship is selfless. And we're going to be kind of focusing on verse 1. Paul is calling us to present ourselves to God in three different ways. He's calling us to be a living sacrifice. And we are to be holy and acceptable. In order to achieve the spiritual worship that he is talking about, we are to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. What does that mean? When we think of sacrifice, think of sacrificial giving, we think of anything sacrificial. Usually we're referring back to Old Testament times, Levitical law, where people would have to bring unblemished lambs, unblemished animals to the priest so that the priest could sacrifice it on behalf of them to cover their sin debt. Because most of the time that's what we think. That's what I think about But we're going to refer to a, a, a shoot to a verse in Hebrews, Hebrews 10, 20. You don't have to flip there. I'll read it for you. But it says, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. Talking about living in Christ. We have to be in Christ and have accepted him in order to be made alive. If we are found in Christ then we are alive. So a living sacrifice. The only way you can be a living sacrifice is if you're in Christ. Other than that, you're dead. We are born into this world, living but not living. We're dead. Because of our sin, because of our nature, we're dead. So the first thing to be a living sacrifice To achieve that spiritual worship, you have to be in Christ. You have to have accepted Him and be living in Him. Because without Him, you're not living. You're dead. Second part. He asks us to be holy. Holy means to be set apart. Romans 6.13 tells us this. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. God wants us to be set apart. As I was saying before, we are called as believers, as Christians, to be set apart from this world. And in order to achieve that spiritual worship he's talking about, we have to be set apart. We cannot be like the world. If we're like the world, then we're, we're, we're missing the mark. We're not, we're not checking all the boxes. We're not getting everything that we're supposed to have. We have to be in Christ, and we have to be set apart. And the third thing, we have to be acceptable. 
or pleasing. Uh, the Bible talks a lot about um, sat when, in, in, in uh, the passages of Scripture talking about sacrifice. Uh, and when the priest would sacrifice, they would also burn part of the animal. And those, those aromas, those incense and whatever else they burned would be a pleasing aroma, a pleasing smell to God. And that's, that picture is similar here to what Paul is telling the Romans. is He wants us to be pleasing, a pleasing aroma, a pleasing smell to God. If we are found in Christ and we are set apart, then our sacrifice will be 100% pleasing and acceptable to God. It will be a sweet aroma that envelops the places we are in. So if you can get the first two down, number three is just going to fall in line. If you are in Christ, if you are found in Him, you are rooted in Him and His Word, and you are set apart from this world, you're going to be acceptable to Him. You're going to be right where you need to be. And I say all of that to say that true worship is not found anywhere in us. The world tells us it's all about you, it's all about me, it's all about what I can do for me. It's not about us. It is completely found in Christ, and it's all about Him. When we worship, Christ should be at the center. Why do we worship? Because He is worthy. It's what He wants, and it's what we were created to do. God's all about Himself for us. We need to have Him at the center. Because it's all about Him. My second point this morning. We talked about how worship is selfless. And then how God calls us to be in Him. To be set apart. And in those two things we will be acceptable. But because of those things... Worship transforms you. Worship transforms you. Reemphasize verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So in, in the book of Romans, the first 11 chapters, Paul is laying out the foundations of salvation. Verse chapters 1 through 11, he is teaching the Romans, this is how you do this. This is what it looks like. And when we get to chapter 12, the focus changes. It changes to, okay, here you go, now do it. And that's what we get in these first two verses. He's telling them, do not be conformed to this world. Do not do what everybody else is doing. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The things that you have learned in these first 11 chapters, the things that I've showed you in these first 11 chapters, apply them, do them, be new, be different. Because now you know better. Now you have the truth. You know these things. As I said, Paul challenges the Romans here to not allow the ways of this world to order their steps, but to allow their newfound faith to guide them. 
This battle is ever raging within us between the flesh and the spirit. The things of this world are always trying to pull at our flesh and therefore makes it easy to conform to the world. As I was saying before, there's so many things battling against us. <laughs> there's so many things that are out to vie for the attentions of our heart and our mind. And there's so much we can get caught up in. And I know I've listed ad nauseum some things already. But that's always the struggle. That's always going to be there. As Christians, we understand that. There's nothing that is never going to stop fighting against us. Paul said it best when he, uh, he talks about uh, the thorn in his flesh. And he was one of the mightiest men of God in the Bible that we know of. But he always had something nagging at him, something vying for his attention to get him off of his path, to take him away from God. So understand this, church. It's not easy. It's never going to be easy. God did not promise us that this would be easy. But we have God. We have Jesus in our lives to help us. And that's something this world does not have. So when this world struggles, when this world goes through trying times, things that they can't understand, things that are inexplainable, things that doesn't make sense, it makes sense to us. As believers, we understand that this is God. This is His plan. This is what is within His will to happen, to take place. And for me, in my faith, I trust that whatever happens, happens for a reason because there is nothing I can do to change it. It's all God and it's all in His plan. I know for me, what I can do is what He's called me to do and that's what I'm going to do. First John 2.15 says this, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, then the love of the Father is not in him. Let that sink in, church. <clears throat> if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Where's your heart this morning? I put here, he said, uh, God wants us to love him above all. And that goes without saying as believers. We understand that God is always fighting for our attention. God always wants our attention. And he will do things to get your attention. I'm a firm believer in this. There have been situations we can attest to this living in a small town. Teenagers children getting in a car wreck and dying. Some, something to cause a death. And something that I love about this town is that we rally together. We come together to help to support whoever that is, whoever that person, that family, to help them out because that's just who we are as people. But it's a shame that something bad had to happen to bring that out of us. Why can't we be like that all the time? You know, what's stopping me from going down the street 
seeing a neighbor needing a, help, a helping hand doing something and me just helping them out. You know, I don't have to have a motive. I don't have to have a reason. Just do it because that's what God commands me to do. When we have an encounter with God, we are forever changed by it. Talking about being transformed, the renewal of your mind. When these Romans experienced the saving power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ, they were forever changed by it. I believe that with all, without a shadow of a doubt. We no longer want to be like everyone else. We only desire God and the things of God. He makes you into who He wants you to be. And because of this, we will stand out from the rest of the world. We will be set apart as He desires us to be so that we can accomplish the works that He has for us. Through this transformation and renewal, we will be able to know His will. Talking about later in the verse, it talks about you will be able to discern the will of God, what is pleasing to Him. When you are transformed, your eyes are opened to, to everything, to see what the world is, what it is about. And you're able to discern, that's of God, that's not of God. He gives you that through His Holy Spirit. We will be able to separate the things of this world from the things of God, and we will do this through the Spirit that is from God, that lives within us. And I said how when you experienced God, you are forever changed by it. I have, uh, have had a couple experiences in my life where I can attest that being true in my life. Um, the easiest one that I can come up with is the, uh, the first time I became a father. You take all this time to prep to get ready for a new baby. And uh, especially as a first-time parent, you don't know what to expect. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, but we did our best, <laughs> and uh, I'm trying to get emotional. <clears throat> um, I knew I loved my wife. I knew I loved my family. But nothing prepared me for the love that God gave me from my daughter. <laughs> and it was in that moment I experienced the love of Jesus, the true love of God. The idea that I could give up my daughter for every one of you, I can't. I couldn't. She means too much to me. And it was in that moment that love have poured out for me onto my daughter. And I realized that I could no longer be the same man that I was. I had to be different. I had to change. Not that I was a bad man before, but there was just some things about my life that I needed to change. And it was in that moment God showed me what I needed to do. And from that day on, I've been doing my best to do just that. And then the Lord blessed with another one, and it happened all over again. <laughs> but uh, I say all that to say, when you 
have an experience, an encounter with God, you are changed by it. And you can't help but be changed by it. He doesn't force you into it. It just happens. <laughs> That's the best way I can explain it. But when you are transformed by God, there's no doubt about it. You know. You know exactly the force driving that change. Oh, goodness. Excuse me. So why does it matter? All of this we've been talking about, worship, sacrifice, being set apart, being holy, being transformed. Why does it matter? Because your worship, I kind of hinted to this earlier, your worship defines you. How you live your life, how you do things on a daily basis, it defines you. It's what you're known for. We've talked about how worship is more than a song. It's how you live. It's everything. We've talked about how worship is a part of us. And it's what we were created to do. We have so many things in this world that are fighting for our attentions and tugging at us. Ultimately, God is the one who's worthy. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our thoughts, our lives. He's worthy of everything, and He wants everything. He wants us to give Him everything. We talked about how worship changes you, and it transforms you into the person that God is calling you to be by shaping you and renewing your mind. But the big question I leave you with today is what do you worship? What has your heart, and what has your mind? Have you allowed God to truly transform your worship? Or are you still conforming to the world today? My prayer this morning and for everybody in this room is that we would live our lives in worship to God. And I pray that He has transformed you into the child that He is calling you to be. If you're here today and you don't know anything about what we've talked about or you would like to know more about what we've talked about, come talk to me. I'd be glad to share my heart with you. I'd be glad to fill in the blanks, the gaps, whatever there may be. I would love to talk with you. And we have other leaders here as well that would love to sit down and talk with you. Dear Jesus, I thank you so much, Lord, for this opportunity just to get up here and just to share my heart. My prayer this morning is that everybody in this room, nobody would leave here without knowing you this morning, Jesus. I pray that you would, you would pierce the hardest hearts, God, and that you would just transform them. Lord, like your word tells us, you would make us new, transform us into the person, into the man, into the woman, and the child you're calling us to be. Lord, I pray that your words were heard this morning, and I pray that I was a worthy vessel to convey those words this morning. Father God, Lord, we love you, and we thank you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
So, before you guys head out this morning, I'll be good on time, too. <laughs> um, as I said earlier, you know, Brother Jake's not here. Him and his family are on vacation. Um, they'll be out for a few more days, I believe. Uh, we just want to remember them and lift them up in prayer uh, as they're traveling and traveling back. And, you know, stay safe. <laughs> Don't go back home in peace. Um, continue to pray uh, for me and my family.